from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of school for startups radio it's wednesday the 23rd i hope you're having a great week i have a really interesting show that goes against our central thesis we believe that passion is great in the church the synagogue the mosque and the bedroom and that you don't need to love the thing you're selling maybe that's even weird called materialism but if it's a service you don't need to love it either you can love the fact that you're an entrepreneur and that is enough. And so we're really going to dive into passion deeply with these two great guests. First up, we have Ryan Steck. He is the man behind the real spy, the real spy.com. I'm sorry, the real book spy.com. That's why I was not getting it right. I was leaving the book out. It's all about incredible thriller books and his passion for writing this website and sharing his love of thrillers has turned into him being an incredibly successful thriller writer. And then Leland Jones, his love of cars and keeping them looking great has turned into an incredible business for him in the ceramic coating industry. We're going to talk passion with both of these great guests getting started in just a second. We are back. And again, thank you so much for being with us today. Very excited to welcome back to the show, Ryan Steck. He really epitomizes our theme of the day. He built a website and started doing something that he loved, and it's now turned into one of the most important websites out there in his space, and it's led to incredible opportunities for him. Ryan built a website called The Real book spy, which is about thrillers and mystery books, his true love. It was so important that he was eventually given the opportunity to write a book and he has released now his second, his first book sold incredibly well. Was it a New York time? How did, how well did it do Ryan? What's the official tag well, on fields of fire? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Um, no, we didn't hit the times list. You know, I, I made some, some other smaller lists. The times list is the gold standard. And, uh, you know, just starting out, that is what all of us newer authors, um, strive for. So we'll see what happens with this one. And, uh, I'm under contract for a few more. So I figure, you know, the more swings they give me, maybe, maybe eventually I'll land on it. Right. So the new book lethal range, it's the second in the series. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So um, the series started last year with Fields of Fire, and that book was all about my hero, a former Marine Raider named Matthew Red, who comes back to his little hometown in Montana for the first time in over a decade to investigate uh, the death of his adopted father, Jim Bob, uh, Jim Bob Thompson, a cattle rancher. And in the process of investigating his dad's death, he uncovers a global conspiracy that only he can stop. And so with what are the two, odds of that? I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, yep. Yeah. I don't want to give away book one, but you know, it makes a lot of sense when you read it. And that book truly for me was all about introducing the character, the hero, Matthew red. I knew I wanted to write a series around this guy. There was a lot of stories I wanted to tell and a lot of themes I want to explore, but I knew that was the jump off point. We had to start there. And to be honest with you, Book two, Lethal Range, is a book, I, a story I've wanted to tell for a long time. I knew it couldn't come first. Um, and the reason for that is simple. Like, this book we find read in a completely different place in his life. He's in Montana now, running the very cattle ranch he grew up on. He's married. He has a son. 
family life is what I know. I'm married. I have six kids. So it was only a matter of time. So, you know, I wrote that into the books. But the reason it couldn't come first is I wanted you to, to know Matthew Red as a character. I wanted to take my time and set that up because in this book, with lethal range, uh, enemies new and old unite to surround Red and bring a war right to his front door that threatens everything and everyone he loves. His ranch, his family, wife, kids, in-laws. And it's all about him finding how far he'll go to fight back and protect you know, everything that he has now to lose. And um, that's what the book explores. And I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun writing it. So a weird mix of genres, isn't it? Western meets Mitch Rapp. <laughs> it, it really is. So the, uh, the two authors that have had the most influence on me, not even as just as a writer, but as like a fan and a reader, Vince Flynn, we talked about him last time I was on, man. He is my all-time favorite writer. I love Mitch Rapp. My youngest son's name, I have six kids. My youngest son's name is Mitchell after Mitch Rapp. But my favorite living author is C.J. Box, and he writes, you know, basically modern-day Western set in Wyoming following a game warden. And they couldn't be more different, you know, the two series. Um, I love them equally. And so when it came time to really think about what I wanted to write, it was hard because you mentioned running the books by, um, I've done that now for a decade. And... We get 2 million readers a year on that, and I'm covering so many books, so many series, so many authors. But I also have continued to work as a freelance editor. So I work with a lot of writers, right on, you know, from like New York Times bestsellers, right on down to hopeful debuts. And when I wanted to, you know, become an author and I thought I'm going to go write stories myself, it was, it was a challenge because I wanted to find something that was completely unlike anything I had covered as a critic or worked on as an editor. And I just thought, man, we never see Jason Bourne or James Bond or Mitch Rapp out West. We never see these guys out there. And when you really think about it, you know, Big Sky Country is perfect for the lone wolf operators and for these types of books. Because out there, backup is at best hours away, at worst days away. So when you're on your own like that, um, it, it, to me, that heightens the tension and raises the stakes and really makes for more of an adrenaline pump, adrenaline pumping story because red is on his own. Uh, he has no backup to call in right now and he's got to figure this out. And I just thought that was really intriguing. So you're, you're right. But I will tell you what's funny when I set out to write it, I can remember the day I told my agent, I said, this will be Vince Flynn meets CJ box. And he goes, What's that look like? And I said, I don't know. Let me, let me go figure it out. At the time, Yellowstone wasn't even on the air. So there was like a lot of apprehension about could a modern day Western, which I, it is, but it's not just that. And I want to be clear. It's a thriller that happens to be set in Montana. And I remember when we first sold it, um, 2020, 2021, at the time I was telling people like, yeah, I'll probably never refer to it as a modern day Western in interviews. And then Yellowstone just took off and suddenly it was like, so anyways, Fields of Fire is a modern day Western and we all got a pretty good laugh out of that. But you're right. It, it, it blends kind of like crime and mystery and thriller and Westerns. And it's, it's a lot of things rolled into one. All right. And now that you've had part two of two, are we going to whip out part three of three and change both numbers? Or is this character uh, reached his conclusion oh no i have a lot more stories to tell with uh with with matthew red so uh i'm under contract for three and four right now plus i have a novella coming out in november called red christmas the character's name matthew red r-e-d-d it's a play on words uh red christmas is a prequel to fields of fire and it sort of takes readers through how someone like matthew red goes from an 18 year old kid to the fully um, battle-tested, hardened operator you meet in How Fields of Fire. How you become a spy? Cool. Yeah, I wanted to show that process, a young Marine on the battlefield. So that novella comes out in November. Uh, here's a fun fact for you. The uh, last three words of Lethal Range, the final three words of that book, reveal the title for book three. And um, we're going to do a title reveal and a cover announcement for that really soon. That'll come out June 4th, 2024. <clears throat> 
I'm halfway done with, uh, with the fifth book or the fourth book right now. And then I'm going to go right into books, you know, five and six. I also have a pretty fun announcement coming up fairly soon. I can't say a lot about it yet, but um, I'm going to be taking over another series for, uh, for an author who had a really successful New York Times bestselling series who had passed away pretty recently. And I got asked, would I be interested in continuing uh, those books? Because it's someone I worked with very closely, was a mentor to me and a good friend. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So no, I, I'll be doing that. But Matthew Red is my main focus and priority. And I'm hoping, you know, that we had a really good launch on, on uh, Fields of Fire. We had a better launch on Lethal Range. Hopefully, uh, readers really enjoy the book, enjoy the characters in the series. And I get to write these things for a long time. Wow, Ryan, I was going to ask you about the huge trend of authors taking over for, you know, authors that have passed on Vince. Flynn has had that happen and yeah. Margaret Mitchell, you know, they've written a sequel to gone with the wind and now you're doing it. So congratulations. Obviously you don't have any problems with it, Ryan. I got to be honest. I'm not a fan of that. I don't like seeing it when it happens. I'm like, Oh man, you know, Shakespeare, we don't need someone writing fake Shakespeare, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm just not a fan of that. They're not as good. I, I don't know. Convince me that I'm wrong. Well, listen, I actually don't, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I don't, here's the other issue that when you go back and you look at when Vince Flynn was, was coming up and the same years as Vince Flynn and Brad Thor and Daniel Silva and Josie Rosenberg and Lee child, with the exception of Vince who passed away in 2013, and then Kyle Mills took that series over. Um, those guys are all still active. I mean, they're still writing. And since then, the trend of like new authors who break into this genre and then really break out is dwindling. Mark Graney has done it. Uh, Brad Taylor, certainly. Jack Carr is as big a name as anyone in the industry. Outside of those guys, it gets a lot tougher. Um, and one of the reasons for that, I really believe this, <clears throat> It's so hard to find your footing as a new writer coming up today because not only are you battling, and I don't mean battling in the sense of, you know, it's a competition because there's room for everybody to thrive. And I'm friends with all the guys I just mentioned. I love them. I love their books. But you're competing with them and you're still competing with the Clancy books, uh, you know, Mitch Rath and the Vince Flynn books, uh, Clive Cussler books, Robert, Robert Parker books. I mean, it. Even the Ludlum books, it, it's become a trend. These estate books, uh, we call them in the industry, you know, when writers take over for them, they make money. <clears throat> um, to me, it's a no brainer why publishers want to do it. And, and let me say this, Brian, uh, let me say this, Ryan, to interrupt. It's a no brainer that you do it too. And even though I'm opposed to it, if someone gave me money, I would do it also. So I just wanted to interject that. Well, I appreciate, no, I appreciate that. But like from a publisher's perspective, right, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, these are household names. We can attach a writer to keep going with these and they'll continue to make money. Now the problem comes when you look and project out in my, this is just my opinion, 10, 15, 20 years. I think it's unrealistic to think that some of these characters will still be around that long. You know, will they really exist even longer with, with different authors and the author who created them. Um, we'll see, but, but in 10, 15 years, will there even be enough series that like they could continue those ones? down the road. And I, so I think that's an issue that the industry is not ready to address just yet. Um, and I'll be honest with you, even, even myself, I think every thriller writer, every writer hopes to create a character that might one day transcend them. And I think there's rare exceptions. So Mark Graney had a really close personal relationship with, uh, with Tom Clancy after they met and really hit it off. His books were really good. And I'm not saying, you know, any other writers didn't have good books. I, I, I'm friends with fans of um, Tom Bentley and Mark Cameron and some of those other guys that are that are doing that. Kyle Mills is probably, to me, the gold standard in the thriller world of taking over a series uh, for a deceased author and continuing what did that he take legacy. Over? So he took over Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp series okay. and right, has yeah. done a phenomenal job. I mean, lights out. 
Now his his last one, Code Red, comes out uh, in September, and then Don Bentley, a uh, good buddy of mine, talented writer, he's been writing Clancy books. He's now taking over the Mitch Rap stuff. My point for for kind of walking you through this is to say this. Um, I think it'll make a lot of sense for people when they find out what series I'm going to be involved with. To me, there needs to be a personal connection for this to work. And when I say that, the author um, that I'll be writing for, his characters, his universe, is someone that I loved, man. Like, I genuinely loved them. They were a mentor, close friend to me. And I know what they wanted to do with the character. I've had so many discussions with them that I think it's unique. I think it, it, it affords me the opportunity to hopefully step into his world and write books that his readers will really love. But all that said, it's a catch-22. <clears throat> um, and I'm not even sure I disagree with your original statement. I think it is tough. And I don't always like rolling out branded books just for the money. But when there's a relationship or there's something more personal for the writer who's, who's doing these books for the... For the deceased author, I think it can make sense, and I think it could be done well. And you know, you know we'll see what happens. The thing about Ryan is that I used to joke about this with Clive Cussler that, and I would pick up one of his books. Oh, I find a new Clive Cussler, and I'd read it, and I'd be fifty pages into it. And, oh, damn! I read this one already. And then we would joke, you know, they're they're all so this so similar, and then you know that they could teach a computer to write this book. And now, literally, we could teach AI to read 50 of Clive's books, and yeah. it could write one, you know? And so, yeah, it's scary. Uh, that's, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Well, I can I comment on that? Can I comment? Clive to bed. Well, let me comment on that, because it's, it's the hot topic right now, right? AI. Everyone's talking about it. Um, I think we're probably a lot closer than a lot of us want to admit. With, with some of the AI capabilities, especially for writers. I still run the books by, I still write book reviews. I tried the whole AI thing to write a book review for me to see what it would look like. And I think my job is safe for like a little while longer. Now, with, with regards to <clears throat> AI writing books one day, I think that's what you just said is true. If, if, a, if a series becomes very formulatic, then I think, yes, a machine could potentially emulate that what i'm striving to do with my books by the way they're set in montana there's a lot of action um if you like mitch rap or james reese jack carr those types of books then i think you'll like mine if you like cj box or craig johnson and longmire i think you'll like these but for me it's more than just the action there's a real emphasis placed on character development and then dynamics between the characters so i have as much fun writing scenes between Matthew Red and his wife Emily, as I do, you know, Matthew Red battling a six foot seven biker in lethal range. And I think it's those human elements, right, that we draw on from like our real experiences that an AI is not ready to replicate. So that's kind of my answer to that. I think we're closer than, than we want to admit. But right now, I think authors still have the human, human authors, we still have the advantage because we can work in emotional and human elements that a machine doesn't know. Ryan, what is your writing process? How do you get ideas? Where does your creativity come from? Do you use a pen with a yellow legal pad? Do you type? Do you dictate? Do you do it at six in the morning before the kids get up? How does a book actually fall out of your head? That's a great question. Um, the first one, Lethal, uh, the first one, Fields of Fire, my first book was actually kind of loosely based on a short story that I wrote forever long ago, like decades ago in high school. As a 15-year-old kid, we had an English teacher with the coolest intern ever, and she's a dear friend of mine now. Her name is Shay Vanderstelt Wentz, and um, she came in and said, guys, go home this weekend, write this creative writing essay. It can be anything you want. You can swear. You can have action, violence. I don't care. Just, just do it. Well, like any 15-year-old, if you give me, you know, that kind of leeway, I'm probably going to go way over the top with it. And I, and I did. And um, came back in, was really proud. It was about a teenager named Matthew Red who had to protect his school from an attack and basically becomes this vigilante. 
way over the top and I ended up getting suspended from school for a week. This is a true story. <laughs> and, um, there we, so, you know, then we, then we go down the road a few decades and I'm thinking about writing a book. I'm working as an editor. I'm working as a critic and married six kids armed with new perspective on life. And I thought, I wonder what that Matthew red guy is up to. And he was just kind of with me all these years. And I thought, you know, I need to explore his story. That's how Fields of Fire was born. And um, uh, the funny ending to that part of that story is, is my principal who suspended me is now my kid's principal. He's a really good man, and he's actually read the book, and, and uh, he's a sweet guy. But um, last time I saw him, I said, joke's on you, because I got a week off school and a book deal out of this guy. So it all worked out. And, um, but, you know, there's a saying in publishing. You have your whole life to write your first book, and you have one year to write your second. What that means is, you can spend forever working on a book. Once a publisher buys it as part of a series, they're going to want the next one turned in within a year so they can, you know, get it out to your readers. So I've been finding my process. Um, now it's changed slightly with lethal range. I'm very visual. <clears throat> um, one of my author friends, Joel, Josie Rosenberg always says that when you sit down in front of a blank word document, it's so intimidating and you have that cursor blinking at you and they, you know, that's probably why they named it a cursor because you feel cursed. And that always spoke to me because I'm not the type that can just sit down and create. I've got to see the scene, the chapter in my head. So writing lethal range, I was still editing full time, running the books by full time. So really, I would get up and uh, think about it all day in the back of my mind as I would be on work calls and Zooms like anybody else. And... <clears throat> When I put the kids to bed, you know, eight o'clock or so, I would try to go write for like an hour or two. And as long as I could see the scene in my head, I could go write it fairly quickly. Now, thankfully, I don't edit full time. Um, they're paying me to write books and it's it's uh, that's the job I wanted. And I'm having so much fun with that. So I'm, I'm adjusting now. Um, I, I sort of go to bed now. It's the reverse. I now go to bed thinking about the book like, oh, gosh, I put myself in a corner and you know, I got to figure this out. Now I'll turn pages into my publisher and they'll say like, wow, Ryan, this is really good. We can't wait to see how you get Matthew right out of this jam. And I'm like, you know, me, me too. I hope I figure that out. So I get up in the morning and when you're a writer, you work from home. Sounds great. It actually gets really boring. I wake up, I go to Starbucks every morning and then I come home. And, uh, during that drive, I create a, a playlist for every book that I'm writing. And I listen to the same playlist every morning, which is kind of boring and repetitive, but it helps get me in the same mindset that I was in yesterday when I was writing. It just connects me with the words um, that I'm trying to put on the page and the story I want to tell. And so I grab my Starbucks, come home, and you know I've been thinking about the scene I need to write the next day. I always think a day in advance, generally never too far beyond that. And I just sit down and kind of crank it out. It usually takes me two hours or so to write a chapter. So not that bad. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still finding what works best for me, but, but so far that's been my routine and, uh, and has worked well. Very interesting. Uh, I think that a Starbucks would be the most distracting place on earth. So yeah, I don't stay there. I, I hit the drive through. Uh, oh, okay, I okay. just like, it's just to get out in the morning. Cause otherwise, you know, you know, like, the thing about being an author is it sounds great. It's really boring. Um, I, I love being in my own fictional world and universe with these characters, but all you do is sit at home all day. So just going to Starbucks, like even mornings, I don't want coffee. I still go just, just to get out of the house for, you know, 20 minutes. And then, then it's inside all day and, and thinking and sketching out scenes and, and writing them. Talk to me a second about passion. Uh, you've mentioned how much you love what you do. That's pretty damn rare. I hope you know that, uh, our next guest Leland Jones is in the ceramics coating space for cars, but you can, the passion that he has for that industry just drips through his words, you know? So a little preview for our listeners there, Ryan, it's obvious that you just love what you do. Uh, I, on the other hand, I don't really care what I sell, you know, as an entrepreneur, I don't really care. I, as long as I don't have to work for you, I'm happy. That's, that's right. my requirement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about passion. 
I think it's very rare, like you touched on these days, to find a job that you truly, genuinely love. Now, look, anything can feel like work, right? Even the dream job can eventually feel like work. Um, you know, as a kid, I used to like think I'll grow up and be like a brownie tester. That sounds like a pretty good gig. I'm sure after a while you'd be sick of brownies. And, you know, um, there's, there's certainly challenges to being a writer. But here's what I love about fiction and thrillers. Um, coming up as a young adult, having kids, I have a special needs son. Um, and I, I always felt like thrillers were an escape. You know, that, there, there was a lot of challenges early uh, with doing great now, but just a lot of health issues. And there was a lot of sleepless nights or, or nights, you know, at a, at a hospital or, or waiting for results, things like that. And I always found, for me, that these, these stories from Vince Flynn and CJ Box provided the ultimate sort of escape. And I love that. And I, and I grew to love these characters and these series and these worlds they created. And there was just something about, you know, covering thrillers for a while. I, I realized, oh, that's not just me. So many people out there feel the same way. Um, movies are great. Binge watching TV is fine. I think there's really no connection with fiction like there is with a reader and a book. When you're holding someone else's words in your hand and you can get lost in those pages, and after a while, I thought, man, I really want to do that. I, and I got to tell you, Jim, it's been the wildest thing. So my first book comes out last year. Uh, I tested positive for COVID the day it came. I was miserable. And I thought, this is not what I always dreamed of. No one warns you how different putting out a second book is than the first. Because when you're releasing your second book, you already have readers. And um, it was the coolest thing in the world to wake up the day Lethal Range came out and see people tweeting me and, and messaging me and tagging me in posts about how they stayed up till 1201 when you know the ebook came out they stayed up all night reading it and they couldn't wait to get back to montana and hang out with matthew red and that meant the absolute world to me and um that kind of cemented for me like you know i really do have my dream job and i'm so fortunate to get to do this and thankful that people are spending their hard-earned Hard-earned money, man, and time. You know, you never get time back. And it's not the money, time to it's the time. Book. It's the time. I, I agree. I agree with you. And so my, my promise to the reader is always this. If you spend your hard-earned cash and you're going to devote time to read my book, I promise I'm going to do everything I can, work as hard as I can to give you um, an escape that will hopefully entertain and, and, and you'll find joy in that and walk away feeling satisfied, ready for the next one. Wow. What a great way to wrap it up, Ryan. Congratulations. You exude that, uh, energy. And so, uh, it's an amazing thing to see someone so well-placed in life. And we do that to ourselves. How do we get a copy of lethal range? Find out more, follow you, become a fan. How do we find out about the real book spy, et cetera? Well, you can go to therealbookspy.com. Uh, that will have links to everything I'm doing. I'm also on Instagram at therealbookspy and Ryan Steck author. You can go to Twitter or whatever Elon is calling it now. Um, I'm at therealbookspy at Ryan Steck author. And Lethal Range and Fields of Fire are available wherever books are sold. So you can get that on Audible. You can get it on Amazon and hardcover. Um, it's in Barnes and Nobles, BAM, Walmart, Target, anywhere you shop for books, they should have it. If they don't have it in the stores. You can get it online. Who plays Matt red in the movie? <laughs> Who do you see when you write? What That's a good one to end on. And I really hope if you'll have me on next year with the next book, I'll have exciting news for you because I, uh, I literally wrote the part with Jason Momoa in mind. Really? Um, and, oh yeah, completely. And my agents at WME, so um, with the literary side, I'm with John Talbot, fantastic literary agent. I owe my whole career to him. Uh, love him, mentor, friend to me. So appreciate him. On the Hollywood side, I'm with two great agents at William Morris Endeavor. We were just getting the books and everything over to Jason Momoa before the writer strikes and everything kind of shut down. So I have no idea where we're at with it now. You can imagine I'm pretty anxious to hopefully get that that process, you know, uh, kickstarted and, and resume any conversations with, with him or his camp. But, um, I would say, you know, uh, it was looking, it was looking positive, trending in the right direction before the shutdown. So I, I remain 
cautiously optimistic, but who knows, man, maybe I come back next year and I can, I can tell you some good news. I hope so. Ryan Steck, author of Lethal Range. Thank you so much. Great stuff. Thank you for having me. And we will be right back to talk ceramic coatings right after this. We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us. I am very excited to introduce my next guest. He is running a really cool business and is leading a life of passion. Please welcome Leland Jones to the show. He has a company called Ceramic King Coatings. Leland, welcome. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on the show. It is my honor. Tell us about the business. It started off small, almost like a hobby. Is that fair? That's extremely fair. Uh, I, I even uh, downplay it to say I started it off as a joke. Um, so I started, I was a full-time college student and I was with a buddy of mine cleaning out my car and we were talking about starting a business and, uh, he gave me a call and said, Hey, I'd love to, um, or we were cleaning out the car and he said, I, I, I don't know what to do in starting a business. I said, it's simple. You just start. And, uh, he didn't have any million dollar idea or anything and I, neither did I. I said, look, we could probably just start a business doing what we're doing right now, cleaning out my car. So with that, we headed over to Walmart. We bought about 300 bucks worth of uh, car cleaning stuff out of the automotive aisle. And we headed to a dog park where we just started telling people, hey, we'll clean your car while you walk your dog. And the rest is history. Fast forward years, years later to today, we're now a multi seven figure business uh, leading in the industry out here in all of the state of Virginia with a revolutionary product that uh, we've now been featured in Men's Journal, Digital Journal, um, uh, the Daily Mail. Uh, so it's it's phenomenal product. I have a staff of now 15 employees, and we do this full-time all day, every day, and uh, except for Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's the birth of Ceramic King Coatings. Amazing. So the product Ceramic King, that's that's something that you developed or something that you buy from like a chemical company or something. Where does that come from? Did you? Yeah, no, brilliant question. So our, our formula that we use for ceramic coatings. Um, so I'm not married to any particular coating in particular, but this is uh, designed by our own in-house uh, chemist who created the formula that we use for our nine year graphene ceramic coating, which is meant to go on the paint of automotive uh, really, I say anything with an engine in it and that has paint, uh, I, I can do your lawnmower if I wanted to, but, <laughs> um, but the product itself was designed and formulated for our company, ceramic King coatings. Um, and I'm not the only location we have, uh, I don't own all of locations, um, but it's also not a franchise. It's really just a group of really great guys that got together under one brand. And it's more of a licensing agreement, if anything, but we don't make money from each other, but we all kind of use the same brand, same product, same marketing, et cetera. So, um, and we found that we get more pull in the industry. We get more leverage with uh, big contracts for other materials like polishers, pads, things like that. Uh, when we banded together versus trying to do it, uh, by ourselves. So ceramic King Coatings, the brand name is, uh, uh, six locations right now and, um, and growing. So the formula we use is meant for us. Now I will say this though, because we're talking about the product, like I said, I'm not married to any particular product individually, but we actually just upgraded to a company called icon rock clear. And this product is absolutely phenomenal it's it's a 10-year north america wide warranty it's the only coating on the market that's scratch and rock chip resistant um, anyone that's looking to protect their vehicle this is the strongest the glossiest the longest lasting and the most durable coating that you can do and we actually own the sole rights uh, to Icon Rocklear in the entire state of Virginia. So you can't even get it anywhere else in Virginia except for here at Ceramic King Coatings. 
Interesting. I'm on the website and it's amazing. You've got some pictures of some dirt or something. I don't know what, like mud, heavy mud being thrown yeah, on a white Mercedes. And, yeah, that's right. uh, it's amazing. The, the difference is amazing. It just totally washes off where you've got it coated. And of course the rest of it looks like hell. Can I put right. this on an older car or does that just not make any sense? Yeah. So automotive coatings are meant for really any vehicle. Um, and the, the vehicle, it, the beauty that it can create is in the craftsman behind the tools. So it's, it's, you could DIY it. You could buy a ceramic coating online, but really the artist behind the polisher that does the prep work and does the preparation and, and, um, you know, does the paint correction and all the restorative stuff. That's what makes a coating so beautiful. So whether it's an old vehicle, a daily driver, a new vehicle, a luxury vehicle, uh, automotive coatings are the leading industry standard for automotive protection. Um, and that's also why, and the best thing of it is with this new product icon rock clear that we're using, it's, it's also a restorative coating. So even if your paint is just absolutely trashed on your vehicle, when you put this stuff on there, it gives it a, gl a gloss and a depth like you can't even imagine or fathom. So it really is the best thing for any automotive protection, new, old, classic, JDM car, anything. It's meant for automotive. <laughs> JDM, does that stand for Japanese domestic market? That's correct. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I, I, okay. I won't tell you why I know that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's actually embarrassing market. why I know that. Yeah, no, but no, well, there's JDM, there's, um, ADM, you know, so American domestic, okay. um, there's, different, there's different ones, but you know, specifically, you know, people are looking for, um, you know, JDM cars, high performance, Japanese vehicles. Right. Yeah. Like that. Leland, go back to the story. So after you and your friend decided to do this and you had success at the dog park, which I think is just an amazing story. <laughs> how did it transform? I mean, what did you do day two? Right. Day two. Well, it's funny. Day one, the last client or one of the last handfuls of clients that we had at the time, he was a radio host. Um, he said, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. It's very, uh, ingenuitive, uh, or, you know, just in innovative rather. And, um, and I'd love to shout you guys out on our radio Facebook page. And so he shouted us out and then I said, great, we'll be here business hours, Monday through Friday. <laughs> and at that time, I mean, we started the business 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we were just kind of faking it till we made it, um, at the beginning uh, or the inception of this. And, uh, he shouted us out. We came back to the dog park and cars were lining up. So day two, we did it. We, we made a profit, um, day two. And I said, wow, I think we actually have something here. And by the way, at the time we weren't doing anything close to coding cars or anything like we're doing now with the higher end, uh, more technical and scientific stuff. But at the time we were just, we had a couple buckets from Walmart and some water uh, and we were just washing cars down with a brush. We didn't know what we were doing, but we knew we had something. And then when did it turn more permanent with like a real location and all that? Great question. So once we graduated from the dog park, um, we decided to run Facebook ads for free on Facebook marketplace and just it, it transferred the link to a Google form where people could submit, you know, the year make model of their vehicle, what they're looking to get done inside, outside, all that. And we had these packages. We didn't, we didn't have any structure to it or anything, but we posted that and we said we're mobile. That was kind of our edge on the market. And this was back in 2017 and 18. So, um, so we posted that we woke up the next day and boom, we had, I don't know, 20, 30 cars ready to roll all around. And we were, by the way, we were up in Anchorage, Alaska doing this. Okay. So not, not a, not a environment privy to shiny vehicles. So we were doing this mobile in the summer months of, uh, of Anchorage, Alaska, going around to people's, uh, neighborhoods and all around town doing people's cars. 
Uh, and it started to grow. And at the time we were like the only people out there doing it. So that graduated and I realized, well, I can't do this all year round because we're in Alaska. So I packed all my things. I decided to move to where my family was in Virginia um, to a much more in, uh, welcoming environment for the weather where I could do it all year round and not flooded with snow and whatnot. Um, and so I moved to Alaska where I continued to do it mobile for a little while. Well, then we all know what happened in 2020. Uh, COVID hit. Right. And so it put a damper in, in the business and it was still, you know, a mobile thing. People didn't want us going to their house and doing their cars in their driveway. And um, so it put a damper in things and I had to go get a full time job and I was selling cars. So I stayed in the automotive industry. I sold cars because I was able to do that during COVID. And uh, while selling cars, I was also passing out business cards like, hey, now that you bought a car from me, I'll detail it as well. Uh, and that graduated. I did that so much on the side where I was able to save up enough money to get me a location, hang my sign, um, hire some employees and start cranking this out out of a garage. And then um, business just boomed. Business just took off. Uh, word spread. Our marketing strategy improved. Our sales strategy improved. And next thing I know, we're booking you know, higher end clients were doing ceramic coatings at the time. And this is in 2019 in Virginia, 2020, 21. Uh, things are just popping off and people are hearing about us. And uh, then we got a bigger shop and now we're in our nice state of the art facility out here in Virginia Beach in Lynn Haven, which is kind of the central area right by the big mall here. Um, in which so, city? Where, where is that in Virginia? Yeah, so Virginia Beach, it's a coastal okay. city, uh, kind of, of by the border of North Carolina and uh, Virginia. My parents used to live in Newport News. Oh, great. Yeah, that's about a 45-minute drive across the bridge. Yeah. So we get clients from Newport News all the time. Wow, what mm -hmm. an amazing story. And how are you marketing now? How do you get the word out now? Do you need to, or is it all oh, word wow. of mouth? Uh, it's not all word of mouth. Uh, we, uh, we, I will say we, a good significant percentage is word of mouth, but, uh, we're everywhere out here. So in Virginia beach, uh, if you're looking for automotive protection, uh, it's hard to not hear our name thrown out there. Um, we're on the billboards at the baseball Norfolk tide stadium. We're on all the Facebook, Instagram, Google, um, all the ads that you can you know, think of TikTok, Snapchat. I mean, we're everywhere out here. We're, we're on billboards. We're, we're just all over town out here. We're on the radio. Um, so we invest a lot into marketing and it keeps us busy right now. We do about seven to 10 cars every single day. Amazing. Amazing. And what are your plans for the future? Are you going to, I don't know. What are your plans? Yeah, great question. So with this new product we're using, Icon Rock Clear, again, it's it's just so, so far ahead of its time in terms of the technology on the market and the coding market. Um, it, it Because it's so thick, so durable, so strong, so glossy, it's kind of taking the market by storm uh, across the United States. And like I mentioned, we own uh, the sole rights to the entire state of Virginia. So we're also sub-licensing to other sectors of Virginia to spread Icon Rock Clear around um, to make sure that the clientele of this, the Commonwealth of Virginia, can get this stellar, state-of-the-art, so advanced coding on their vehicles. Um, alternatively, I'm also looking to expand into a couple other locations. Uh, my brother is out in San Antonio. We're looking to um, hang a sign there here in the short future and start him a shop out in San Antonio, Texas. Um, we're working on some things in North Carolina um, and just spreading this icon rock clear around the state and, and making sure that clients can get the world's best coating on their vehicle. And it's uncontested. It truly is scientifically tested, the best coating on the market. Is there a, a national brand or a national chain that does this? I don't, I, I don't know who I would go to if I wanted my yeah, car. So, coat. 
Yeah, well, um, so there's so many coding companies or companies that offer ceramic coatings. Um, and what I tell people is if you're looking to get your vehicle protected, um, the biggest thing is, one, you want to make sure that they're using a great product, right? Um, and anyone that's using Icon Rock Clear definitely is state-of-the-art because their vetting process is so strict so that you know that if you're getting an Icon Rock Clear, you're install you're getting the best coding from someone that had to prove themselves to be worth installing it um so looking for someone that offers icon rock clear is great um and the second thing you want to look for for a company is is their reputation and also their back end customer service it's so vital in today's day and age clients want peace of mind when investing in their vehicles to make sure that they stay protected and so when you're looking for a good company, uh, that's almost just as important as finding a good coating because the company, you you don't want someone that's just going to coat your car and then kiss you goodbye and then they take your money and you never hear from them again if you have issues or if you need something taken care of, a warranty item, anything like that, you want to know that you're being taken care of. So um, that's one thing we strive very strongly to do is ensure that our clients know that our saying here is every vehicle deserves the royal treatment um, here at Ceramic King Coatings. And what that means is once you invest in us and you choose us to protect your vehicle, we want to make sure you have that ultimate peace of mind, knowing that your investment is protected and we're going to make sure it stays protected um, almost to the detriment of our ourselves. You know, we'll, we'll repaint your vehicle for free if you get damaged to your paint because of the coating not doing its thing. Um, I don't know of many other companies that will go to that length of taking care of their clients. And so that's something you really want to look for in a company that does it. But if you want to find someone that can slap a coating on your vehicle, there's one on every corner. But if if you, you just, you know, Google ceramic coatings near me, but if you want a great coating, you want to look for someone that's installing Icon Rock Clear or uh, a company that you know is going to take care of you from Z and on. Leland, you obviously love what you do and have incredible pride, as you should. Uh, did that develop after the business was sort of born? Uh, you know, I, one of the things that I argue is that you don't have to have passion for what you do, that just not working for the man is, you know, enough, or you can like the sure. fact that you're an entrepreneur and you can, you know, love the fact that you set your own hours and that can be enough. You don't have to, you know, uh, have a job just to be able to, uh, be passionate about something. And so what are you, your thoughts on that? Obviously you're passionate about this, but my sense is, and from your story, it sounds like the passion developed after the fact, not before the fact. Is that true? Is that safe? So it's, it's a good argument that you make um, in terms of that. And I'd say it's a great mix of both. Um, I've, I've always had a, a strong passion in the automotive industry. I've always liked cool cars. I remember when I was a young kid, I said, man, I saw this Mustang and I said, man, I want to, you know, I want to have a Mustang Cobra one day, you know, <laughs> and now I get to see them almost every other day and get to work on them. So uh, it's a good mix of both. I would say, you know, uh, I, I do have a strong passion for the entrepreneurship and running a business, employing people, giving people an opportunity to make money and feed their families. I mean, I have uh, a great mix of people that work for me. They have kids, they have families, they have um, pets, they have lives outside of their work and being able to uh, employ people and give people purpose to to do something that they enjoy as well. I don't think there's a single person in my company that doesn't enjoy coming to work. Um, so it's a great mix of being able to be a leader um, and, and test those skills and craft those skills and improve on those skills. Um, being a craftsman and understanding the coatings and the science and the art that goes into protecting vehicles. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a combo of both. But I think what keeps me waking up and coming to work every single day, even though I am the owner of the business, I could be flying around the country and 
shopping and, you know, uh, doing all kinds of things. But I think what, what keeps me coming to work instead of doing those things is the smiles on our clients' faces, the passion that I see from my team, the experience that we get to give to uh, the community, because we do a lot of uh, outreach and, and community uh, fundraisers and things like that. It, it's, it's a passion of, yes, owning a business and loving my craft. But I think the biggest success and the biggest passion I have is really at, at its roots, being able to help people and make people better once I've interacted with them. I love it. I love it. Fantastic the way you said that Leland, and it's an amazing story and, uh, you're a great representative of entrepreneurship. You, you make us all look good. Well, thank you. I, I mean, that means a lot to me and, and I don't take it lightly. It's, you know, it's my obligation to my family, my kids, my team, my community, my clients, you know, other folks like yourself, the entrepreneur community, uh, the automotive industry, all these people, I, I, I feel a great uh, deal of obligation to wake up, give it my best and, and stay motivated and passionate to continue to help uh, in those fields that I'm, you know, looked at to help in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I feel a great deal of uh, obligation for that. And so that, you know, I don't take that lightly and I appreciate that. What is the aftermarket car show in Vegas every year? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, SEMA. SEMA, that's right. Yeah, SEMA is the big one. It's hosted the first week of November. Uh, fantastic car show. As a matter of fact, Icon Rock Clear, I, I keep plugging it because it's so amazing. They just today, as we're speaking about an hour ago, became uh, official members of SEMA, and they don't just accept anyone. So uh, that's just another feather in the cap to show that Icon Rock Clear is what it says it is. Um but yes, yeah, SEMA is the uh, the largest, uh, basically, car convention of anything um, that that goes on in the uh, the um, automotive industry. All the latest and greatest, um, uh, you know, equipment. Because uh, it's SEMA, by the way, it stands for Specialty Equipment Marketing Association. Um, and so they host this event and they want to show the latest technology, the latest and greatest aftermarket stuff and the latest and greatest, uh, vehicle release, all that stuff. So, um, so it's a pretty big deal that, uh, Icon Rocklear is now a member of the specialty equipment marketing association, SEMA convention, because it shows that Icon Rocklear truly is, you know, an amazing product and worth its weight in gold. I spoke there five or six years ago at that convention. Oh, wow. And that was okay. a lot of fun. Boy, that was a fun convention <laughs> yeah, a to be huge in. Event. It's, it's like a week long event. It's not, well, it's a few days, but it's, I mean, it's out there in Las Vegas, a huge convention. Yep. yep. Leland, yeah. how do we find out more? Follow you online, get in touch. I appreciate it. So, uh, time to plug myself, I guess. Um, so you can find my personal social media at the, Leland Jones on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that. Um, and then for my company, Ceramic King Coatings of Virginia, uh, you can Google it. You can look it up. And if you want to read more of the, uh, the news surrounding what we're doing, my story, all that, uh, just type in the Google search, bar, uh, Google search bar Leland Jones Entrepreneur, and you'll be able to read more about my story, uh, read more about Icon Rock Clear, what we're doing here, Ceramic King Coatings, all that. Fantastic. Leland, great stuff. Really appreciate you being with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful week and uh, can't wait to uh, get this out to the community. We will do just that. We're out of time for today, but we're back tomorrow. Be safe, everyone. Take care. Have a great day. Bye now.